We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you guys. Hey, I want to take a moment to welcome you from Eureka, our church family. Eureka, we love you guys. We're so glad that you're joining us today online. Also, all of you who are joining us online, later I'm going to be down at Hope City, so I'm looking forward to being down there with you guys live and in person for your service. But uh, by the way, way to go. Wreck me before I have to get up here and preach. Thank you, Pastor Josh for that but man wow what a blessing thank you so much you guys that that meant so much to me um we are in the middle of this message series called functional faith functional faith the word functional simply means to work how many of you want a faith that works (laughs) i think too many times in our christian lives we have this head knowledge and understanding of god the bible Um, scriptures that we've memorized, we come to church, we hear teachings and messages that help us understand more of who God is, who we are, and what he wants and desires for our life. Yet, oftentimes, as I'm sure you've experienced, as I have in my personal walk with God, there can be these gaps, these gaps between what we know and how it actually works and plays out in our everyday life. I like to say it like this. We can be in this amazing environment where the the Holy Spirit and the presence of God is here. We can hear amazing teaching. We can leave this place today full of God, ready and excited to live for Him. And we hit the ground Monday morning and we experience the same things over and over again. And we're not seeing our faith life work out between Monday and Saturday. This message series is designed to help you close that gap. And I hope that has blessed you as much as it even has blessed me as we and Pastor Josh as we've been preparing these messages for you. Today I want to talk to you about a really sensitive topic, um, but one that I believe is, is a question that as pastors um, we get asked quite often, and that is the topic of how do we handle spiritual warfare? How do we handle spiritual warfare? And many of you, even in saying that, you may not understand what is spiritual warfare. And let me tell you that spiritual warfare is any kind of spiritual oppression or adversary or opposing what God wants to do in your life. Opposing his word, his call on your life, his purpose, his plan on your life. I mean, I actually prepared this message specifically for this Sunday because it's closest to Halloween. And I think as we um, all experience this every year, especially in the church, I love it how there can be this weird tension between Christians. And if you grew up in the church, you experienced it. Like if your parents, you know, were really strict or they didn't believe, some Christians believe, this is not a holiday that we should celebrate. Why? Because it actually, in some ways, celebrates dead things. It celebrates dead. If you look at its roots, it goes back to Celtic pagan roots that later um, the Catholic Church came in and tried to change it back to celebrating all the saints who have died and gone to heaven are martyrs. But the reality is, is there is uh, even Jesus himself. He talked about this thief that is there to try to steal what God wants to do in your life and my life. I mean, and even if you look at, if you don't even believe in it, look at it. And I think, how many of you grew up in the church? 
How many of you, like, instead of, so your parents, instead of allowing you to participate in Halloween, they allowed you to participate in harvest parties <laughs> and all those things? But yeah, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm sorry that your mom made you dress up in a pumpkin and you look like the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. There was a really funny meme that I want to put for you that I think kind of encapsulates this. Christian kids on Halloween be like, sorry, I can't go trick-or-treating with you. My parents said, I got to go to this thing called Hallelujah Night. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you knew you grew up in the church if you went to Hallelujah Night instead of going trick-or-treating. Can I get an amen? Josh is like, oh, yeah, brother, that was me. But I think Halloween time really brings the reality to the surface. I mean, even right now, I mean, I, my TV, it's full of, you know, horror movies and paranormal stuff and psychic stuff and somehow the world celebrates the supernatural yet when we talk about it in the church somehow it becomes weird all of a sudden and yet I think the reality is is that we can all agree that we feel it every single day that there is this spiritual force in the world that is evil that is dark that is diabolic that is is a, a real force in the world now, the reality of this will hit you at times. One of those times for me was when my wife and I were in the city of L.A., and I hadn't been there for years, actually. We are driving down the streets of L.A., and you could go down one street, and there's all these posh, you know, shops and restaurants and people looking like models and actresses and actress, actors and actresses, you know, wearing real high heels with their little dog in their, in their Gucci purse and all that. And then literally what blew me away is you could drive right down that same road, turn right, and on that street you'll see tents and homeless people and drug addicts and prostitutes. And you drive through that and, and it was almost like this picture of good and evil and how close and how real it could be. And I think we all feel that even in our own lives oftentimes, but we don't know what it exactly is and we can't put our finger on it, but you can't deny the fact that there is this evil, dark force present in this world. In fact, during the season of, of, of this pandemic, I think personally, I've seen it in force more than ever. And, and what it tells me, actually, I wanna encourage you in this, because sometimes the, the devil one of the things that he's a master at, he's a master at making things seem so much worse or darker than they really are. And it can discourage us. It can make us feel like we're losing, that this is an impossible battle that we're in. And yet, I actually believe when I look at everything that's happening in our world right now, I believe that it's in direct response to the, the fact that God is moving. He's moving in the earth. He's doing things that you're not going to see on CNN or Fox News or whatever because the media is not going to tell you the good things that are happening in the country and in this world. The media is not going to tell you how the Spirit of God is actually moving and young people are coming to faith in droves. And people like Sean Foyt are going into cities and there is revival that is stirring up in America right now. Why? And you're not going to hear about that. And actually, you're going to hear the opposite because the enemy wants to discourage you. He wants to oppose the very work of God at work in the world. And so we have these two forces. It kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, and one of my favorite cartoons as a kid was Tom and Jerry. Remember Tom and Jerry? Love, love me some Tom and Jerry. And my kids right now, they're like, Dad, did you actually watch these cartoons? <laughs> so like, yes, I did. 
And uh, one, of the, one of the things, one of the cartoons I remember with Tom and Jerry is oftentimes there'd be this little devil on one shoulder and a little angel on another shoulder. And the devil would always try to tell you something um, to do that was bad. And, to, and the angel was trying to get in your ear this here and tell you, no, don't do that. You should do this. And, and I think we all experience that. And we all know that there's reality. Even look, look, at, look at literature. Look at movies. And Frodo Baggins has to run and fight against the Dark Riders. Luke has to fight against Darth Vader. I mean, look at uh, Dorothy has to fight against the evil witch. Why is it that in our world and that we understand and that there are these evil forces, but we don't understand how they can affect our spirit and our soul? And so today, I want to bring that truth to light to you. And we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10 through 17 where Paul, at the end of this amazing book, in fact, Ephesians is one of my favorite books, at the end of this amazing book, you're going to see Paul's told them all these amazing things. But then he reminds them at the end of the chapter, and which I want to do as your pastor today, remind you that we can embark on all these amazing things with God. Like last week I talked to me how to be led by the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit. And we can be led by the Holy Spirit but something isn't working in our life. And why is that? Peter even said, your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So you have to understand that as a follower and a believer in Jesus Christ, that we have a very real adversary that opposes the work of God. And so Paul takes time out of his letter to the church in Ephesus, and he reminds them, that we need to be strong in the Lord. And so I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you, and then we're going to glean from it this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. It says this, Finally, here he's closing, Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the what? The devil's schemes. And he goes on to remind us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. In other words, our struggle oftentimes isn't your husband. It isn't your wife. It isn't your friend. It isn't your boss that you hate. It isn't um, people on Facebook that don't agree like you agree things that you agree with and think the way that you think and vote for who you vote for our struggle is not against flesh and blood it's not against people there are spiritual forces that are at work that actually work through people to come against you and to come against me and he goes on to say in verse uh, 15 or 13 therefore and anytime there's a therefore you want to take note put on the full armor of god so that when the day of evil comes you may be be able to stand, be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, and with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith for which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that I thank you for your word. I thank you that, God, you can encourage us in your word this morning, that we have everything we need to win this fight, to win this battle. God, that you've equipped us with heavenly armor, that we can withstand everything that the enemy comes against us with. And so, God, I pray today that as I preach your word, Father, I pray that you'd open every heart, every mind to receive exactly what you have for me. God, I pray... I give you this time, I give you this mic, I give you my spirit, and I say, God, use me. I'm your vessel. Speak through me. Speak to the hearts of your people today. God, I pray that this would not just be another church service, this wouldn't be just another message, that right now we would put off all other things, because I believe every single person here watching online, you've got a plan, you've got a purpose for, and this message is for them. God, I pray that we would not leave here changed, we would not leave here the same, but we would leave here changed. God, that you would change us, transform us, convict us in Jesus' name. And God, right now, I just want to quickly lift up our nation. Today is a day of prayer and fasting for our nation. And God, we lift up President Trump and Vice President Pence to you. God, we pray that you surround them with your presence today. God, we pray that you give them wisdom and everything they need to lead our country well. God, I pray for revival to be restored to this nation. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would sweep over this nation and awaken the hearts of your people in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said amen, amen. Hey, quickly, just a, a couple of things as I was praying that I was reminded of. Next week is our Vision Sunday. It's an amazing time. Bring your friends, bring your family. It's where I get to share the heartbeat of this church and the things that God has put on our heart for the future. Also, let me remind you, next week it is um, fall back with our clocks. So don't be like one of those people every week that show up um, instead of at 9 o'clock, you show up at 8 o'clock, or you show up at 10 o'clock in the middle of service, and you're like, what's happening? I, what, what's wrong? How did I miss it? You didn't? Just turn. Don't forget to turn back your clock next week. We'll see you at Vision Sunday. Also, um, tonight, 6 p.m., we are having our prayer event that we've been working towards uh, inviting other pastors and churches all over this valley to come join us. We had to move it here to our church and do it online. So if you're part of Hope Church, I want to personally invite you to come out and pray with us live tonight, okay? And if you can't join us or you prefer to do that at home, you can join us online on our, our One Nation Facebook page or at our Hope Church website. All right, let's get back into the Word. Um, there's a couple things that I, I think we need to understand foundationally uh, to have a foundation off of our understanding to, to be able to, um, how to know how to handle spiritual warfare. And that is our theology about the devil. In other words, what we believe to be true about the devil. It amazes me, I read a statistic, that 50% or more Christians actually don't believe the devil or Satan is a real force in this world. They actually think he's a symbol of evil, but there is no real devil or Satan. It's just something that has been made up or is symbolic or a metaphor in the Bible. But let me tell you that Scripture is really clear that we have a real adversary that is named the devil or Satan. So first point of understanding is that the devil is real but shouldn't be feared. The devil is real but he shouldn't be feared. Look at this in Revelation chapter 12. I'm going I'm to show you that actually Satan or the devil was once one of the three arch 
angels in heaven. There's Michael, there's Gabriel, and then there was Lucifer. The Bible calls him the morning star. He was actually the worship leader in heaven. He led all the angels in worship to God, and then one day in Isaiah, um, it, it actually gives us a description of how uh, Satan fall. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Because one day he thought to himself, I will be exalted. I will lift myself up above God. In other words, he got jealous and envious of all the worship that God was doing, And he wanted that worship for himself. And so one third of the angels, as we're going to read here in a second, got cast out of heaven with the devil, cast down to earth, and now became uh, diabolically opposed to God and the works and plan of God and the people of God. And we're going to see in Revelation 12, 7 through 9, it says this, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he, it sounds like an epic battle and story, doesn't it? But he was not, I, I love this, I've underlined this in my Bible. My Bible! Come on, Liv, work with me this morning. But he was not strong enough. He wasn't strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads, look at this, who leads the whole world astray. See, what you have to understand about this enemy is that one of his main uh, agendas is to lead you astray, lead you away from God, from what he has for you. That's why sometimes it's so hard to come to church because the devil try to make you comfortable and try to lead you, keep you away. He'll do anything possible. That's why during this whole pandemic, I think it was very strategic that, that the enemy used this pandemic to try to isolate people, to try to keep the church from meeting, try to keep the church from singing and worshiping God. And that's exactly part of his plan for what he'll do. Some of you are at home right now and you have gotten into this habit of watching church online. And I am, I am glad and blessed that we get to do that because sometimes we realize there's kids get sick, you get sick. During this pandemic, there's a real uh, anxiety and fear over getting the coronavirus. So I understand all that. But let me tell you something. Don't get too comfortable staying at home watching church online because it is not the same as coming together. And God, will do, I mean, the enemy of your soul will do anything to try to keep you from that. The devil's real, but he's not to be feared. It kind of reminds me of a good Boudreaux joke for all my Cajun people out there. Yeah, one time uh, Boudreaux was in church on a Sunday morning, and all of a sudden there's this big puff of smoke right in the middle of the sanctuary, and, and flames come up, and all of a sudden Satan appeared right in the middle, and people start screaming and running out of the church. The church is empty, and Boudreaux's just sitting right there on the front row with his arms crossed, and so the devil's a little bit confused. So he goes up to him, and he goes, and he goes, don't you know who I am? And Boudreaux goes, man, yeah, I know who you are. And he goes, well, why aren't you afraid of me? He's like, nah, I ain't afraid of you. He's like, how come you're not afraid? You're the only one who's not afraid of me. Everybody else left. He's like, help me understand. Boudreaux is yawning. And he looks at him and he says, I ain't afraid of you. I ain't got no reason to be afraid of you. Because I lived with your sister for the last 40 years. <laughs> and guys, don't laugh too hard. 
Uh, by the way, our one uh, marriage conference is come, retreat is coming up here in a couple of weeks. So if you laughed and you're getting dirty looks, you guys can go sign up on that on our website. The devil's real, but he shouldn't be feared. Like we have nothing to fear. In fact, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have the very spirit of God. In it. So that leads me to my next point, that the devil has power, but it's limited. I like to call it, let, say it like this. The devil, is, he, he's God's devil. He's on a leash. <laughs> Even in the book of Job, when the devil wanted to um, do what he did to Job and mess with him and mess with his life, just like he wants to do that with your life and my life, he actually had it said that he kind of snuck in with the angels that day and came before the throne of God and actually had to ask God permission to do what he did with Job. And God, in his sovereignty, said, well, you can, you can mess with him a little bit, but you can't take his life. In other words, there's parameters. He's still God's devil. He has power, but it's limited. It's limited to the sovereignty of God. God will let him, him uh, do some things that he does, but there is a limit to his power, and there is a limit to his work in your life. And let me also tell you this, that as we follow God, and just like Job and are faithful to God, God will protect you. He'll be with you. And there's a blessing on our life that comes from following God. The third thing that you need to understand about the devil is this. The devil has a plan, and that is directly opposed to God's plan. It's directly opposed. Look at John 10.10. 10. It, 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 it shows us this directly. If we don't understand that every single day when we get up, this, this force, this spiritual force that we feel that is directly opposed to the things that God wants to do in your life, and it's, I think... It is messing us up, tripping us up, and it is actually helping our faith not to work. Our faith isn't functional because we don't understand how to fight it. We don't understand how to combat it. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes, meaning the devil, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his plan. That's his plan. So whether you realize it or not, every single day, you and I, we're in a fight. We're in a battle. What is that fight for? It's for our heart. Just like God wants your heart. The enemy of your soul wants your heart. He wants to lead you astray. Why? So he could steal the very truth of God in you, the life of God in you, the purpose of God in you, the destiny that God has for you, the plan of God in your life. And let me tell you, I am sick and tired of too many people not understanding that they're in a fight because of it, they don't fight and the enemy is taking them out. And it's time that we took back the ground that the enemy stole from us. We have to understand that this is Jesus' plan for our life. That I come, I have come, that they may have life. Not just any life. That you would have it to the full. And so while God is trying to lead you into the fullness of his life, just like we talked about last week, being led by his spirit, this adversary, the devil, is trying to steal, kill, and destroy the work of God. So I think it's important that we understand, though, that there is a difference between spiritual warfare, temptation, and trouble. Spiritual warfare, temptation, and trouble. Because I, too many times I think we're blaming the devil for things that he had nothing to do with. <laughs> Just like the dog ate my homework, the devil made me do it. The, can I tell you something? The devil didn't make you do it. You have a choice. In fact, the Bible says that no temptation has overtaken you. 
that isn't common to man. But God is faithful that every time that we're faced with a temptation, that he will give us a way out so that we can endure it. So there's no temptation that you haven't gone through. By the way, that Jesus hasn't gone through. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are. That we have this high priest now who is he's praying for you at the right hand of God. He's interceding for you and for me. Just like he prayed for Peter. And he said, Peter, I'm praying for you. That you'll be able to stand firm when the enemy comes at you. James 1, 14-15. I want to help you to understand the difference between warfare or a spiritual attack and temptation it says this James says but each one of you is tempted when he is dragged away enticed baited to commit sin by his own worldly desire lust or passion this is the amplified version then when that illicit desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin has run its course it gives birth to what to death and this is exactly why some of us are fake isn't working. It's not functional. Why? Because we've allowed open to temptation. We have gotten into what the Bible calls a stronghold. Now, everybody's tempted. Can I just tell you that? Everybody's tempted. And temptation isn't evil or bad in and of itself. It's when we succumb to temptation and we fall, we let sin enter in. And if we don't take care of that sin and don't take it seriously, over time, if we continue to live in that sin and we continue to fall in that temptation, what will happen is a slow spiritual death. It kind of reminds me of in Mexico. My wife and I, when we vacation, we love to go to Mexico. It's just a beautiful place, amazing culture, amazing people. But there's a place in southern Mexico called the La Cueva de Villa Luz. The La Cueva de Villa Luz. And what it means is the caves. Because it is this beautiful actually caverns that um, there's 20 underground pools that bubble up into this cavern. And there's lush rainforest with beautiful tropical birds and tropical fish teeming in the water. And it's this beautiful place that if you didn't know about it and you just looked at it, I mean, there's light coming through the caves. There's beautiful flowers. It looks so enticing. And many people have wandered into that cave and got in the waters and swim in the beautiful pools of water, but what they didn't know or realize is that it is a dangerous place because there's a poisonous gas that is released through some of the foliage that is in those, in those caves. And what you wouldn't know is you would enter into that place thinking this is paradise, this is beautiful, I'm loving this. And you might swim for a little while, you might enjoy the beauty of it for a little while, but you wouldn't realize slowly as you were breathing in the poison little by little, you would slowly be dying to death. And you would just go to sleep and never wake up. And I think it's, a, it's actually a, a perfect picture for what happens to you and me when we get into temptation over time and continually to get tripped up in temptation. And little by little, we are slowly dying, spiritually speaking. You may not be physically dying, Although I believe that all sin can manifest in many different ways, even affecting our physical body. But let me tell you, you are spiritually dying inside. And God wants to pull you back into life. But everybody's tempted. We aren't necessarily facing spiritual warfare when we're tempted. That's actually a, a, a 
regular, everyday part of our Christian life. The other thing that I don't think we can blame on the devil or spiritual warfare is, come on, there's just some things in life that are trouble, like we run into trouble. Like, thank you, Frank Sinatra. That's life, right? I'm high in April, shot down in May. Like, the reality is that Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. What is that trouble? Come on, we deal with it every day. We get flat tires. We run out of gas. Our cell phone dies. You know, kids act up. We, we, we get sick. We experience health issues. We experience financial challenges. We have cars that break down, things to fix on the house. Not everything we, that happens to us, we don't have to blame on the devil. Like, listen, there's some things that we actually, I believe, bring on ourselves. Like, Come on, Forrest, I'm stupid is as stupid does. And sometimes just because you didn't put enough gas in your car and you ran out of gas on the side of the road, there wasn't no devil in your gas can siphoning out the gas. You were just stupid. <laughs> Come on, you're just dumb. Like some of our fight, let's get real with each other. God gives us in his word wisdom, everything we need that pertains to life. So we have the very mind of Christ God gives us in the Bible. He gives us wisdom for our finances. He gives us wisdom for our marriages. He gives us wisdom for our family. He gives us wisdom for uh, business. Everything we need is in Christ and is in the Word of God. We don't have excuse. Stop being stupid. <laughs> I remember my pastor, Pastor Don, some of you in this church, if, if your right arm keeps doing like this, then stop doing that. I mean, if you're, if you're doing something and it's not working in your life, Stop doing it. Right? Look for God's wisdom. He has it. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says this. Look, I don't want to try to freak you out or bring too much attention to the devil. I have a pretty simple theology, people, and that is this. God is good. The devil is bad. God good, devil bad. All right? And I try not to give him too much attention. I don't need to. I actually think that if we'll just focus, we'll do um, like the Bible says, and we'll fix our eyes on Jesus and stay focused on him. We can tune out this devil. We don't need to give him attention. We need to know that our God is so much bigger. But Peter, even himself, having experienced spiritual warfare and attack, and the devil actually trying to take him out of his purpose and destiny, he says this, and I think it's important that we understand this. We don't need to give the devil too much attention, but we need to be alert and sober of sober mind. Why? Because your devil, uh, your enemy rather, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then he says this, that's what I'm going to encourage you with this morning, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers, in other words, all of us throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We all go through it. But he's saying to us, and what I want to say to you is wake up to this reality. We need to realize that we all live in this world, and because we live in this world, we are subject to this thing called spiritual warfare. So quickly, I want to give you a few things that I believe practically help us to develop this uh, spiritual strength that we can not only resist the enemy, stand firm in our faith, but I think that we can actually go on the attack. In fact, it says in the Bible that it says that um, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And oftentimes we think of us 
as being behind these gates in the church, and we're just holding back the spiritual forces of darkness from not getting into us. But actually, that term is an offensive term. So number one, I think that one of the ways that we can fight against this is we need to go on the attack. Like right now, we don't need to hole up in our churches and in our homes and just like, oh, I can't wait for this pandemic to be over. I can't wait for this. Let me tell you, there are people that are hurting right now. And some of you, maybe even in the room, some of you watching online, the world needs the hope of Jesus now more than ever. That's why the theme for our Vision Sunday this year is we have this hope. Because in the middle of this, we can be anchored in the reality that we have a hope that's so much greater than the darkness that is happening out in the world. But if we're going to be on the offensive, we have to shore up some things in ourselves. And I think the most real, honest thing that you and I can do is close any doors. Close any doors. What do you mean by that, Pastor Lance? I mean that the Bible says um, in Luke... I'm sorry. The Bible says that we um, don't let the sun go down on your anger. If you guys have that. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And don't give the enemy a foothold. Don't, in other words, don't open the door. That doesn't need to be opened. And when, we, when we're angry, when we're depressed, when we are looking for fulfillment, any place outside of God, we open ourselves up. In fact, I, I think we do more damage to ourselves than we realize. We're blaming things on the devil, but the reality is the devil cannot get to you unless you open the door to your soul to him. But too many of us are doing that. How? We're doing it, we're doing it by watching movies. It seems to amaze me. I've, I've watched, I mean, I'm gonna step on some toes here, but man, I watched Game of Thrones because I thought, man, you know, this is popular and people look at it, I started watching it and I was just blown away at the things that were part of that. The things that we're watching and we're opening at a door, things that we say, okay. See, the Bible also says that the enemy, he, he appears as an angel of light and he does this, he could deceive us and one of the ways he deceives us is he kind of numbs us. He wants us to get comfortable, to relax, to let your guard down and we've been letting our guard down, church, I believe. We're, we're engaging in culture and we're letting culture shape us more than we're changing the culture that we live in. We're watching horror movies and CSI stuff and, and we're wondering why we're riddled with fear and anxiety. We're comparing ourselves online on social media. We're looking at all the highlight reels of everybody else and how beautiful they are and how amazing their life is and we're opening up a door to envy and jealousy. And the enemy, you crack that, listen, it doesn't take much, but you crack that door open, he's gonna get a foot in there He's going to say, thank you very much. I'm more than coming. One of the other ways that he comes at us, he comes at our mind. And so we have, to, we have to armor up people. The second thing that we have to do is we have to put on the full armor of God daily. The full armor of God. We got to put on the full armor of God every day. I, I just want to, I want to remind you that Paul is admonishing us, hey, that, that you need to get you need to get ready for battle. And you need to be prepared that even today, it, it never ceases to amaze me. I remember one time I, I had this girl, she got saved. God was moving in her life powerfully. She wanted to get baptized. We baptized her. She was so excited. God was doing things in her life. That very week, 
That same girl was sitting in my office crying because the day, the Sunday that she got baptized, that night she went to a party and she fell into sin. That messed her up. And it didn't surprise me, it doesn't surprise me that when God is moving in your life, sometimes even in the strongest, that the enemy is going to come at that. And where is he going to come at you? He's going to come at you in your mind. He's going to try to bring condemnation on you. He's going to try to bring despair on you, hopelessness on you, darkness on you. He's going to try to confuse you. Anytime you're confused, that's not, God is not a God of confusion, but of a God of peace. The enemy wants to confuse your mind. He wants to, he wants to even keep you from understanding the things of God. So we got to put on the full armor of God. Can you guys put that up? Track with me a little here. Put on the full armor of God. We got to put on that full armor of God. We got to put on the helmet of salvation. That's what covers you. Too many of us, we even question whether we're saved or not. It's so funny. We have sometimes at the end of service, just like in a moment, we're going to ask you if you want to respond in faith to what God is doing in your life. And we have people, I've had people for five weeks in a row. I'm going to, I want to give my life to Jesus. I come up, You've already done that. Like you're saved. You're going to heaven. Like this is real. God, God touched you. He moved in your life. You don't have to keep doing it. You just have to put on that helmet of salvation because the enemy will try to tell you you're not saved. That wasn't real. God isn't real. He's not moving in your life. That was fake. This isn't real. This is all hoax. He's trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Well, next thing that you have to realize that you have some, God has given you some weapons at your disposal. You have some weapons that you can use against the enemy. And the first one is use the word of God as a weapon. Actually, in Ephesians, when, when it describes the passage that we read, there's only one, everything is to protect you. But the only one that is offensive is the sword of the Spirit, which, which Paul says is the very word of God. In fact, Jesus gave us an example. When, when the enemy came in him in the wilderness, and he'd been fasting in this time of fasting for 40 days. He's hungry, he's thirsty, he's tired, worn out. By the way, that's a great thing to keep in mind. Anytime that you are, you know the acronym HALT? If you're hungry, if you're angry, if you're lonely, if you're tired, those are times when you are most vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy in spiritual warfare. And he came to Jesus when he was at his lowest point. And he tempted him. He said, if, let's look where he tempted him. If you are the son of God. He questioned his identity. See, the enemy will always try to come at your identity in Christ, who you are in Christ, God's call on your life, and what he wants to do in your life. And I love how Jesus answered him. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. In other words, make something happen in your own strength. Make, provide for yourself. And Jesus answered, it is written. Man shall not live on bread, on word, but what? On every word that comes from the mouth of God. We got the word as a weapon. That's why it's so important that we don't just read the word, that we meditate on it, that we memorize it. Come on, some of you in areas that you're being attacked, you need to write some scripture on some, some little post-it notes or a little, um, a little card. You need to keep it on your mirror. You need to put it in your, in your car to remind you every single day. And when you're being attacked, that you can quote that scripture to the enemy and say, God, I believe your word is true. It's truer than these thoughts that are coming against me. 
It's, it's truer than the feelings that I feel. The next thing is this. We need to use worship as a weapon. We need to use worship as a weapon. Can I tell you something? I close the service here in just a moment with a worship song. Let me remind you with the lyrics of this song, your voice is like a sling. Your praise is like a rock. Just like when David was facing that giant, when he was facing Goliath, and when you're faced with giants in your life, inevitably you will. When you are faced with anxiety and fear standing in front of you, taunting you, telling you your God is not strong enough, you can't win this battle, that you always have the weapon of praise as warfare. And every time that we choose in the middle of the battle, in the middle of you being attacked, you make a choice to praise God. That's why praise and worship is so important. Because you, every time that you do it, you're putting the enemy on notice. You're saying, oh no, not today, devil. My God is greater than what I'm going through. And I choose to praise him in the middle of the storm. I choose to praise him in the middle of the battle. And I don't care what you take away from me, but you can never take away my voice. You can never take away my worship. Let me tell you something. When Paul and Silas, it says, at about midnight, at the darkest time of the night, they were in a night season, and some of you in a night season, let me tell you, if you'll get your worship on, if you get your praise on, and if you will stand and put the devil on notice, devil, I don't care what I'm going through, I'm going to worship God. My Bible says that they began to pray, and they began to sing hymns and praises to God, and about midnight, the chains that were holding them back, they fell off them. And I can tell you, time after time. I don't come to church to worship. Worship is a lifestyle because every day I'm in a battle and there are times when I've had to come in here, close the doors, put on some worship music in the middle of the week and get on my face before God. I've, I've, I can't tell you how many miles I've walked around this sanctuary praising God, lifting up His name, declaring the truth of God's Word, declaring that He is God and He is greater and no weapon formed against you will prosper. Can I tell you something? Even with the Word of God, that when David came against the enemy, and this is the last point here, you gotta, you gotta use the name of Jesus as a weapon. There is the name, there is a name that is above every name. Look at that scripture. The name in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place. Highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And in heaven and under earth, every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And let me tell you, every time that we use the name of Jesus, so the devil come at you, to get out of here in the name of Jesus. There's no place for you here. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Come on, when Goliath came at David, David's response was this, and this needs to be our response. So some of you, you're faced with some things right now in front of you that look daunting, that look, you have no idea how you're gonna get through this. Some of you, your marriages are on the rock. Some of you, your finances are broken, messed up. Some of you have been dealing with anxiety and depression and you don't know how you're gonna break through. You don't know how you're gonna get past it. David stood in front of that giant and he says, you come at me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of heaven, and the host, a host of angels' armies. See, our, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, 
but they're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, to pull down every stronghold, every argument, everything that would try to exalt itself against the work of God in your life and in my life. Can I remind you, as we close, that in all these things, in Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, goes through all these things. It starts out, now therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is the bookend. This is how it ends. It reminds us, and I want to remind you in closing this morning, that in all these things, we're more than conquerors. In all these things, you're more than a conqueror. You can overcome. You're, you were made to be an overcomer. So I want to pray for you. The first group of people that I want to pray for, you may be watching at home, you may be here this morning, and you might be like, man, I am, I've, this has been the worst year ever. I've been going through some things, and I don't, I don't know what to do. Where do I begin? I know that I need this life that God says in John 10, 10, that he wants to give me, but I don't even know where to begin, Pastor. Can I tell you that right here, right now, is where it begins. It begins with a decision to surrender your life to Christ. You can't even begin this fight without the Holy Spirit living in you. And the Holy Spirit comes alive in you, what the Bible calls you become born again. The Spirit of God comes alive in you. You can make that decision today. And you can have this spiritual force living inside you that is greater than the things that are surrounding you. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And I want everybody to just close their eyes for a moment. Because I actually believe, I don't know why, this morning, I feel like this demands a response. If you're online watching this and you make this decision, just type in there, I believe, into the comment section. But for those of you here, if you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, just slip up your hand. Nobody's watching. Just put your hand up. Thank you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? I want us to all pray this prayer together. And let me just remind you, this is the greatest decision that you can make for your life. Pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross with my sin that you died for me as me. Would you forgive me and wash me clean of all my sin? I repent turn from my way to your way. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I want to live my life for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Be blessed and have a great week.